This is Wealth Wake Up with Dick Donahue on KGMI News Talk 790, 96.5 FM in Bellingham and KGMI.com. The opinions voiced in Wealth Wake Up with Dick Donahue are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine what may be appropriate for you, consult with your attorney, accountant, financial, or tax advisor prior to investing. Guests on Wealth Wake Up with Dick Donahue are not affiliated with CWM LLC. Investment advisory services offered through CWM LLC, a registered investment advisor. Welcome to Wealth Wake Up this Sunday morning. Dick Donahue with you here on KGMI. Well, we see a little bit more trouble ahead. Not necessarily long term, but hey, it'll be interesting. But, you know, we've been bullish on stocks all the way back to March of 2009 when mark to market accounting was fixed and the financial panic started to recede. At that time, the SP 500 traded as low as 677. What a time to buy! After that, we remained bullish. We didn't recommend selling in spite of a wide range of fears that spooked many others, including the Great Recession lasting through 2010, a double-dip recession, a second wave of home foreclosures and an implosion in commercial real estate, the passage of Obamacare, a Greek debt default, a potential breakup of the Eurozone, the fiscal cliff, Brexit, or the election of President Trump. While others bailed out way too early on the bowl, we kept riding it. We rode it so long that some called us perma-bowls, but as we looked at low interest rates and healthy profits, we didn't see any other choice. Then in June, we announced that we weren't bullish or quite as bullish anymore. In particular, we said we don't expect the S&P to hit a new all-time high above the old high of 47.97 anytime soon. Instead, until one of our two scenarios plays out a recession or the realization that the Fed has pulled off a soft landing, U.S. equities are likely to be in a trading range with potential bear market rallies that come and go. We still expect the more likely scenario is a recession will arrive sometimes in 2023, possibly early 24, and that stocks will remain in a bear market until the recession hits. Why a recession? Because the Federal Reserve will have to get tight enough to reduce inflation toward its target, and a monetary policy that's tight enough to control inflation is going to send the economy into a recession. Back in June, we said the stocks could easily rally from then-current levels when the S&P 500 was at 36.75, but that such a rally wouldn't last. After the S&P 500 rally, closing high at 43.05 in mid-August, before dropping to 35.86 at Friday's close. But don't be surprised by any other bear market rallies, because they can also fade. As always, we want to use our capitalized profits model to assess fair value for the market. And the model starts with the government measure of economy-wide corporate profits and uses the yield on the 10-year Treasury note to discount those profits. So with the yield of the 10-year Treasury note finished this last week around 3.75, which is where we plug into our model, suggests that fair value for the S&P 500 is about 3,600, give or take, and we're actually a little below that. So it doesn't mean we expect to necessarily see a big drop from this point. We just think that we may have some continued volatility. But long-term yields could go higher. With the 4% yield on the 10-year Treasury note, the model says that fair value would be about 33.25. So at that point, we're a little over 200 points below where we are now, which would be about another 8% drop. And even if long-term yields don't go higher from here, approaching and entering a recession is still likely to eventually cut corporate profits. Either way, there are reasons to expect that we haven't necessarily seen the bottom yet, although we may not be far from it. A couple things to keep in mind. If you're a long-term investor who doesn't want to time the market, none of this discussion matters much. Just maintain your normal allocation to stocks and don't be shy about continuing to buy stocks at your normal intervals. That way, you'll be buying at low stock prices, and stocks will be worth substantially more when you're spending down your assets in the future. A couple other things we think are going to impact it, and we talked about this on yesterday's show, but history tells us that if we have a change in control of Congress, every election since 1950s where we've had a change in control of power in Congress, we have seen a market substantially higher 
a year later. So a lot of little gray clouds over the horizon right now. We'll see how this all works out. And, of course, the summary for the global summary this week. We saw that bond volatility spike is causing some stability concerns. Global equities were lower on the week amid rising equity, fixed income, and currency volatility. The yield on the U.S. 10-year note was a little changed in the week at about 3.74%, but it did rise above 4% at midweek. And the price of a barrel of West Texas Intermediate Crude rose $1.50 to around $80.50, while volatility is measured by the CBOE volatility index rose to 32 from 29 a week ago. And macro news. The United Kingdom Central Bank intervenes in its bond market about 48 hours after saying that it would not adjust monetary policy until at least November's meeting in response to British Prime Minister Liz Truss's plan to slash taxes and regulations during a time of high and rising inflation, the Bank of England was forced to buy 30-year gilts as a free fall in prices and precipitous rise in yields. The yield spike raised financial stability concerns as the United Kingdom pension plans and their intermediates were hit with margin calls that they could not meet amid long gilt selling linked to liability-driven investment strategies. At a time when the Bank of England was preparing to shrink its balance sheet, it instead had to set up a program in which it'll buy about £65 billion pounds in long-term bonds until mid-October, while was postponing its quantity tightening. These actions raised doubts about the bank's credibility and the United Kingdom's rates and the pound stabilized after the intervention. After falling to a record low exchange rate of 1.0350 on Monday, that's against the dollar, the pound bounced back to $1.11 on Friday. The markets remain wary that what appears to be a short-term fix won't work. On Thursday, Trust addressed the crisis for the first time, blaming global factors for the market turmoil, not the dramatic fiscal expansion that our government has proposed. Also this week, United Kingdom policymakers received a scolding from the International Monetary Fund in which it called the Prime Minister's fiscal stimulus inappropriate given the inflation pressures in the economy. Additionally, Moody's warned that the policy shift may negatively affect credit ratings. And the Fed's preferred inflation measure accelerates the core personal consumption expenditures price index. The inflation measure that the U.S. Federal Reserve focuses on when setting monetary policy rose 4.9% in August versus a year ago, from an upwardly revised 4.7% in July. Core PCE jumped six-tenths of one percent from the month before. Personal income rose three-tenths of one percent in August, while personal spending rose four-tenths of one percent. And the market trims hawkish Fed bets as volatility jumps. The Deutsche Bank's measure of foreign exchange volatility rose to its highest level since the European sovereign debt crisis 10 years ago. Major currencies, as measured by the U.S. dollar index, are the weakest levels in more than 20 years. Global investors look for, as global investors look for a hiding place in extreme levels of market volatility in the bar market and rising equity volatility. And it's not just currencies. The Move Index, which measures volatility in U.S. Treasury yields, traded this week at its highest level since the global financial crisis. Earlier this week, the yield on 10-year U.S. note brushed 4% for the first time since the early days of the global financial crisis. Growing concerns about financial stability led investors to pare back bets on rising short-term rates as the market priced out at 25 basis points. That would be a quarter of 1% point hike next year by the Fed. And Russia is suspected of Nord Stream sabotage. Following ruptures in the Nord Stream 1 and 2 pipelines, European officials are pointing finger at Russia, claiming sabotage. While gas flows to Germany have been halted by Russia, the ruptures caused gas to bubble to the surface of the Baltic Sea, raising environmental concerns. The attacks also raised fears that other pieces of critical infrastructure in the Europe would come under a threat. And while a small quantity of Russian gas is still being exported to Europe via a pipeline in Ukraine, Russia is threatening Ukrainian energy, NAFTA gas, with sanctions, which would bring a halt to the flow. In a further provocation, Russian President Vladimir Putin will formally annex four Russian-controlled areas of eastern Ukraine, declaring them Russian territory. He has vowed to defend them using all available means. Dick Donahue with you. We'll wake up. We'll be right back. 
for when you want your front lawn to feel more like a welcome mat. The new Kubota Z200 is built to cut like a pro, to cut quickly, to turn on a dime, to control with effortless precision, and it's built to get the job done right. Fast cut, Kubota quality, affordable price. The new Kubota Z200. Visit your local Kubota dealer today. Visit us on the guide in Linden, the Cook Road in Burlington, and online at scoltonsequipment.com. Scoltons Equipment, Washington's elite Kubota dealer. My name is Marcus Vierta, and I manage a small business here in Whatcom County called Western Solar. Every day I see firsthand the impact good jobs have on the lives of people. Sharon Shoemake is an economist and a mom who brings practical, real-life experience to the state Senate. I became an economist to help people. Now I'm running for state Senate to fix our broken housing market, create jobs, lower taxes on working people, and build an economy that works for everyone. Paid for by People for Sharon, Democrat. Want to save 25% on your utility bill, guaranteed? Call Clean Air. They're the only local heating company to offer a 25% utility savings guarantee. Plus, when you install a new Lennox system with Clean Air, you'll make no payments until 2023 when you finance your new Lennox system for as little as $132 a month and receive up to $1,200 in rebates on the complete Ultimate Comfort System. Don't get stuck with another winter of high energy bills. Call cleanair.com. See dealer for details. KGMI Connects with Joe Tian is about our community and you. Join us on Monday, October 3rd, as we present another in our series of local candidate debates. We'll hear from Democrat Alicia Rule and Republican Tasha Dykstra-Thompson, candidates for State House of Representatives from the 42nd District. That's this Monday, October 3rd. Join us each weekday at 4 p.m. for KGMI Connects on KGMI News Talk 790, 96.5 FM and KGMI.com. The opinions expressed on this program are not necessarily those of KGMI or the Cascade Radio Group. If tomorrow all the things were gone, I'd work for all my life. And I had to start again with just my children and my wife. Welcome back to Wealth Wake Up. This is Dick Donahue with you this Sunday morning. We're Asset Advisors. We're located out on the Pacific Highway. That's out in the Pacific Commerce Center next to Wilson's Furniture. Our address is 5060 Pacific Highway, Suite 101 Ferndale, 98248. Our phone number, 360-733-1200. And check out our website, wealthwakeup.com. Okay, continuing with a few quick hits from this week's Global Summary. We saw that Morgan Stanley estimates that the fourth quarter S&P earnings will face a 10% headwind from recent dollar strength. And the Paris-based Organization of Economic Cooperation and Development sees U.S. growth slowing to a half percent in 23. From the earlier forecast of 1.2, expects global growth to slow to 2.2%, a rate seen in a recession. The Congressional Budget Office estimates that the Biden administration's student loan forgiveness program is going to cost us taxpayers about $400 billion. And the European Central Bank President, Christine Lagarde, said that she expects the central bank to hike rates further over the next several meetings. Those comments came early in the week before news of the eurozone inflation rate rose to 10% in September amid broadening price pressures and the first double-digit reading since the introduction of the euro in 1999. European Central Bank Chief Economist Philip Lane said Thursday that the central bank's monetary policy will not be influenced by the euro's recent fall against the dollar. And as fears of recession mounted, the Bloomberg Commodities Index fell to an eight-month low this week. U.S. economic data continued to hold up better than expected. New home sales rose a shocking 28.8% in August. We'll finish more information on that in a minute from July. Core durable goods rose 1.3%, and weekly jobless claims continued to slide, falling to 193,000 from a downloading revised 209,000 from the prior week. The consumption portion of the second quarter U.S. GDP was revised to 2% from 1.5%. Inflation measures were revised up as well. Solid data will allow the Fed to remain aggressive in its fight against inflation. And South Korea announced that it'll buy $1.39 billion worth of government bonds in order to stabilize yields. 
The purchasing manager's indices in China gave off mixed readings in September. The official manufacturing PMI rose to 50.1 from 49.7, while the services reading came in at 50.6, down from 52.4 in August. The CACC and manufacturing PMI fell to 48.1 from 49.5. And despite sluggish global demand, Japan's industrial output rose 2.7% in August, dwarfing expectations. On Friday, the Federal Reserve Bank of India raised its base rate a half a percent to 5.9%. And of course, can't watch TV without knowing that Hurricane Ian made landfall in southwestern Florida on Wednesday, leaving millions without power and causing damage estimated in the tens of billions of dollars. And on Sunday, Brazilians will vote in presidential elections that pit the incumbent against his predecessor heading into the election. His predecessor has a commanding lead in all opinion polls, so we'll see what happens here. Let's go into the second quarter final GDP report that came out this week, which is the third report on the second quarter. It was unchanged at a minus six-tenths of one percent range annual rate, an upward revision of personal consumption and offset downward revisions in net exports, residential investment mainly reflecting a decline in brokers' commissions and inventories. We also get our second look at corporate profits for the second quarter, and they were revised lower. While still corporate profits rose 4.6% versus the first quarter, they are up 7.7% from a year ago and up 23.3% versus the pre-COVID level. Profits in the second quarter rose at domestic non-financial corporations as well as from corporations abroad, but declined at domestic financial corporations. Our capitalized profits model suggests that U.S. equities are roughly fairly to slightly overvalued or about fairly valued at current interest rates, although we believe equities will remain range-bound until we eventually hit a recession starting sometime in late 23 or early 24. And although some investors think a recession has already started, only two straight quarters of negative GDP growth, we don't think that's right. Gross domestic product income, uh, GDI, and alternative measure GDP is just as accurate, remain positive for the first two quarters, growing at a revised one-tenth of one percent annual rate in the second quarter, after growing at a revised eight-tenths of one percent rate in the first quarter. In addition, so far this year, unemployment rate has dropped and payrolls have expanded 438,000 per month. Industrial production is up 4% annual rate through August, and there's still not numbers we'd get in a recession. Where does this all leave the Federal Reserve? Still behind the curve. The GDP inflation has revised higher to a 9% annual rate in the second quarter, the fastest pace since 1981. GDP prices are up 7.6% from a year ago, nowhere near the Fed's 2% target. Meanwhile, nominal GDP, which is real GDP growth plus inflation, rose at an 8.5% annual rate in the second quarter, is up 9.6% from a year ago. And the U.S. economy recovered rapidly from reopening in 2021. That period of rapid growth is now over, but that doesn't mean that we should take the headline from the report at face value and the U.S. is in a recession. The Fed has a lot of work to do before monetary policy is tight enough to induce a recession. In other news, initial claims for unemployment insurance declined 16,000 last week to 193,000, which is a five-month low. Continuing claims declined 29,000 to 1.347 million. These figures suggest another solid month of job growth in September, and on the housing front, pending home sales, which are contracts on existing homes, declined 2% in August, suggesting another month of tepid existing home sales in September. Earlier this week, we also got some welcome news on future of inflation. The M2 measure of money was essentially unchanged in August and is up only 1.5% annualized rate in the first eight months of this year. M2 is up 4.1% versus a year ago compared to 13.6% gain in the year ending August of 21. It remains to be seen whether M2 growth remains slow. The Treasury Department has been potting up its own savings at the Fed, and this may be a reason for the sudden slowdown in M2 growth. And the Durable Goods Report came out this week. 
They declined slightly in August, but the details of the report are much better than the headline number suggests. Far and away, the largest impact in August durable goods came from the typically volatile commercial aircraft orders, which fell 18.5%. If you strip out transportation and orders rose to tenths of 1% in August, matching what was basically consensus. Orders for electrical equipment were up 1%, computers and electronic products up 8 tenths of 1%, primary metals up 4 tenths of 1%, machinery is up 3 tenths while fabricated metal products were down 7 tenths of 1%, showing the loan decline. Further back in the process, unfilled orders continued to rise, suggesting activity will remain positive as companies battle to keep up with the demand that is outpacing supply. One of the most important pieces in the report, shipments of core non-defense capital goods except aircraft, which is a key input for business investment in the calculation of GDP, rose three-tenths of one percent in August, while July orders were revised higher. If unchanged in September, these orders would be up 7.1% annualized rate in the third quarter and second quarter average, providing a tailwind for third quarter GDP. And orders in these core capital goods, which will lead the shipments of the future, rose 1.3% in August, which is the largest monthly increase since January. Orders for durable goods have recovered sharply since the pandemic, up 71.3% from April of 2020 bottom, and now sits 17.8% above the pre-pandemic high set in February of 2020. The shift from services to goods accelerated durable goods purchased beyond where they would have been that COVID never happened, and the return towards services taking place today means activity in the goods sector will likely moderate in the year ahead. For the time being, the data suggests that business investment remains resilient in the face of rising borrowing costs and tepid economic growth. And this week, we also got the August personal income and consumption report. And income and spending inflation all rose in August as the U.S. economy continues to transition from a stimulus-fueled misadventure toward a slower path of growth. The report gives a great example of the shift taking place from the shutdown-induced measures that remain mainly supported the, the good side of the economy back to the supply service side that was discouraged or outright prohibited during that pandemic. Consider for a moment that February 2020 to December of that year, spending on goods rose more than $300 billion, while spending on services fell by over $500 billion. This government-induced shift caused a massive reallocation of resources, employees, and consumer dollars and investment that will be felt for years to come. But as we return to more normal spending patterns, the good side of the economy is feeling the pain. The consumer spending rose four-tenths of one percent in August. Spending on all goods fell a half percent following a seven-tenths of one percent drop in July. This shift will eventually bring its layoffs, inventory issues, and a host of other economic ills. Meanwhile, the services side of the economy is feeling the benefit, with services spending up a hearty eight-tenths of one percent in August. In addition to shifting what could be due and what could be due at the stimulus checks, PPP loans, and extra unemployment benefits of 20 and 21 dramatically boosted consumer spending power, more than replacing lost wages. The economic morphine, which was meant to dull the pain of shutdowns, has led to a multi-decade high in inflation and the economic pain that now comes with trying to get said inflation back in check. PCE prices, the Fed's preferred measure of inflation, rose three-tenths of 1% in August. They're up 6.2% from a year ago. Core prices, which exclude food and energy, rose six-tenths of 1% in August, and they're also up about 4.9% from a year ago. And while energy prices will ebb and flow, core inflation is likely to remain higher for longer than most anticipate. No, we're not in a recession yet, but the Fed is almost most very likely to cause one, then try to undo the effects of the policy decisions made over the last two and a half years. Dick Donahue with you with Wealth Wake Up here on KGMI. We'll be back quickly. We don't have the usual traffic jams that they have in the big city, but sometimes things happen to snarl everything up. Depend on KGMI to keep you cruising to your destination with KGMI traffic alerts. We'll tell you where the trouble spots are. And if you see problems on the road, give us a call at 360-676-5464 so we can spread the word. KGMI News Talk 790, 96.5 FM, and KGMI.com. 
a conservative take on issues important to Whatcom County and the Pacific Northwest. This sounds crazy that you're going to tell the schools you must do extra service for those kids with learning difficulties. But when it comes to especially gifted kids, we can't give them special classes because it doesn't include a sufficient percentage of kids of color? Yes, that's what's actually happening in Washington State. Lars Larson, noon to three weekday on KGMI. Enjoy your retirement at Meadow Greens, a retirement community offering warm, welcoming, independent, and assisted living apartments. Located on a premier golf course in beautiful Linden with panoramic views of green rolling hills and snow-capped mountains, Meadow Greens offers a fitness center, wellness programs, tailored social and recreational activities, and complimentary unlimited golf play with cart at Homestead Golf Club. One- and two-bedroom apartments with full kitchens are available, offering the freedom of eating in or enjoying a more social meal at the Outward Nine Restaurant or the Duck Hook Bistro. Then relax with a glass of wine with friends or cozy up next to the fireplace with a good book in the library lounge. Meadow Greens can also be of help when it's time to transition from an independent apartment to assisted living. Call Meadow Greens today to arrange a private tour at 354-8200 and online at meadowgreenslinden.com. The grass is always greener at Meadow Greens. It's not just the funny little cars we sometimes drive in parades. It's not just being part of a fraternal organization with a rich heritage of over 150 years. And it's not just the lifelong friendships we find. It's also because Shriners have improved the lives of over 1.4 million children. Have fun and make a difference. Become a Shriner today. Visit BeAShrinerNow.com. Sponsored by the Shriners of Washington State in cooperation with the Washington State Association of Broadcasters and this station. What the? The hardwood, the carpeting, everything's soaked. The pipes must have burst. We better call Swans. If you have water damage, call Swans Clean Care and Restoration first. They work with all major insurance companies, and their new infrared thermal imaging technology enables them to detect hidden problems before they cause more damage. Swans is the water damage experts. They even offer ceiling drying for roof leaks. So call Swans today or visit them online at swanscarpetcleaning.com. Huge selection and amazing prices. Just two of many reasons to visit Wilson's Furniture when you're shopping for your next furniture purchase. Wilson's, open seven days a week on Pacific Highway in Ferndale and online 24-7 at wilsonhomefurnishings.com. To protect her home and family in a disaster, Karen was willing to wade through water, mud, and insurance paperwork. Yeah, I can do this. You go, Karen. By simply understanding and updating what her insurance covers and doesn't cover now, she'll be better prepared no matter when disaster strikes. Learn other simple ways to protect your home and family before a natural disaster at ready.gov. That's ready.gov. A message from FEMA and the Ad Council. Sign up for the CHS Northwest Propane Autofill Program and receive a cellular tank monitor with no monitoring fees. Plus, you'll be able to review your daily tank level readings from your smartphone or tablet. CHS Northwest, everything you need for home and farm. Online at chsnw.com. Hey, at our startup, my team and I move at the speed of tech 24-7. And every single day, it's information overload. It's coming at me from all directions. And you know what? Bottom line, I just need the news that matters. So where do I turn? local radio and TV. I want to hear from people who live and work in my town. They give me the real story with information I know I can rely on. So where else can I find out what's happening in my community? Weather and traffic, things that affect my family and my business. I want to stay informed by sources I trust. My local radio and TV stations. For the best entertainment, sports, news, traffic and weather with no agenda and more reliable than other platforms. So if you ask me for the information I want anytime, anywhere, I stay local. Support your local station. Text RADIO to 52886 today. Furnished by the NAB and this station. Message and data rates may apply. Reply STOP to opt out. The latest local news and important topics of the day from the West Mechanical Studio. A properly operating furnace will guarantee that you stay comfortable as the seasons change. Contact West Mechanical Heating, Air Conditioning, and Electric for a system inspection today at westmechanical.net. Get the latest news and information 24-7 with KGMI News Talk 790, 96.5 FM in Bellingham and KGMI.com. And I'm proud to be an American. 
back to Wealth Wake Up. We're going to make this segment fairly short. We're going to have a guest joining us for the rest of the show after we get done with this one. So we're going to talk about August new home sales, and then we're going to take a quick break here in a minute. New home sales posted the largest monthly gain in more than two years in August, crushing even the most optimistic forecast by any economic group. And while the headline gain of 28.8% is a welcome piece of good news, it's important to remember that new home sales are still down 33.9% from the peak of 2020. That said, the report is a sign that sales activity may be beginning to stabilize. The main issue in 22 has been declining affordability, with potential buyers getting squeezed by both higher prices and rapidly rising mortgage rates. So it's welcome news that median prices were only up 8% from a year ago versus a year ago comparison of 24.2% in the year ending in August of 21. It looks like the relentless upward trend in the past couple of years may be beginning to level off. This is backed up by data on the top two home price indices, both of which showed modest prices in August. Case-Shiller home price declined two-tenths of one percent in July, while FHFA prices, which measure home finance by conforming mortgages, fell six-tenths of one percent. These drops are the largest for any month since 2011 during the last housing bust. And although both of these measures show a substantial increase in home prices in the past year, 15.8% for Case-Shiller, 13.9% for the FHFA, the following few years should be very different with roughly unchanged home prices as rents catch up to home price gains during COVID. The news on the home prices finally beginning to ease up is a doubly good news because 30-year mortgage rates remain a significant headwind are surging upwards once again and currently sit close to 7%. Assuming a 20% down payment, the change in mortgage rates and home prices since December mounted about 46% increase in monthly payments on a new 30-year mortgage for a median price home. And although a lack of inventory has certainly contributed to price gains in the past couple of years, that should not be as much of a problem going forward. The month's supply of new homes, which is how long it's going to take to sell the current inventory at today's price, is now up 8.1%, up significantly from 3.3% earlier on in the pandemic. Although the month's supply of completed homes is still relatively low at nine-tenths of a month, inventory of completed single-family homes has begun to rise quite rapidly as builders finish more units and rising cancellation rates on purchases leave potential buyers with more options. Meanwhile, builders still have plenty of homes under construction, and they will strive to finish in the next several months. That process generating more finished supply should keep down downward pressure on new home prices and, in turn, stabilize home sales as well. This is not the housing bust of the 2000s, a period when home prices and the pace of construction both plummeted for years on end. Finally, in manufacturing news, the Richmond Fed Index, a measure of mid-Atlantic manufacturing sentiment, rose to zero in September versus minus eight in August. We expect to see the National ISM Manufacturing Index remain north of 50, signaling some growth for the month. Dick Donahue with you with Wealth Wake Up. We're going to be back, and we'll take a little quick break, and then we'll have a long fourth segment today. Thanks for being with us. Contractors, developers, building owners. If your project needs fire sprinkler installation, call Columbia Fire. Marty Boonstra here with Columbia Fire, your true one-stop shop for fire sprinkler design, installation, and maintenance. We've protected the Northwest for over 35 years, and we always put our clients first. You name it, we've done it. Schools, office buildings, industrial, and residential, too. For fire sprinkler installation, get on our schedule today at ColumbiaFire.net. That's ColumbiaFire.net. From heat waves to flooding, record cold to labor and supply shortages, last year was a doozy. Let's take this year head on with a Silver Shield membership so you and your home are ready for whatever the coming seasons have in store. Hi, I'm John Barron, owner of Barron Heating, AC, Electrical, and Plumbing. Achieve peace of mind with your HVAC electrical and or plumbing equipment, bringing it back to its original operating specifications with a Barron Silver Shield membership. Things happen. Especially when the weather turns. As a Silver Shield member, you'll receive worry-free whole home coverage, including a performance maintenance, service and equipment discounts, priority scheduling, and more. So prep for fall now before the weather changes. Sign up for Silver Shield 
and save up to $1,000 on a whole home generator. Love your light when the block goes dark. Visit BarronHeating.com for details. Barron, your full-service HVAC electrical and plumbing contractor. Our mission, improving lives. Mornings are busy. That's why the KGMI Morning News is your perfect ticket to the world. While you rush to get ready, hear the very latest local, state, and national news. Your KGMI AccuWeather forecast, sports with Mark Skolton, the latest money news, and all the information you need for a great start to your day. The KGMI Morning News, 6 to 9 a.m. each weekday on KGMI News Talk 790, 96.5 FM, and KGMI. Cause there ain't no doubt I love this land God bless the USA Welcome back to Wolf Wake Up. This is Dick Donahue with you this Sunday morning here on KGMI. As always, if you got questions for us, you can give us a call at 360-733-1200. I'm going to start out this last segment. I have with me Bill Tetrol today. Bill owns a company separate from my company called Northwest Options Insurance. Uh, he actually is located upstairs in my office. We were talking about this, and God, I was shocked, but he's actually been in my office with me now since 2005. This is actually the third location that we've been in together. And I need to note that Bill is not related to my business in any way, and I have no economic interest in Bill's business. We just do work very closely with a lot of our clients. Before I get into talking to Bill, though, we had a notice come out this week that your Medicare Part B premiums next year and your IRMA surcharges are going to decline. And that's primarily because of the rollback and a big increase in 2022 following a cut in cost of an Alzheimer's drug that actually pushed everything up last year. So Medicare beneficiaries are going to be paying slightly lower premiums and income-related surcharges next year, according to the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services, which uh, partly reverses the increase, the big increase that they had in 2022. Individuals enrolled in Medicare Part B, which covers doctor's visits and other outpatient services, are going to pay a monthly premium of $164.90, which in most cases comes right out of your Social Security check this next year. That is down $5.20 from the $170.10 that we paid this year. In 2022, the Medicare Part B premium jumped $21.60, which was a 15% increase. It was one of the largest in Medicare's history, in part because the Centers for Medicare Services, or CMS, was required to accumulate reserves against the cost of a newly approved Alzheimer's drug. But when that drug was approved by the Federal Food and Drug Administration, the approval was controversial, as was the drug's initial price tag of $56,000 a year. So last December, the manufacturer, Biogen, said that it would be cutting that drug's cost in half to about $28,000 as of January 1st of last year. But in wake of that price cut, CMS reassessed the 22 premium increase. It decided not to alter the 22 premium in mid-year, said that the lower price tag on the drug was likely to mean lower Medicare premiums for this next year, hence the $5.20 decrease that we are expecting. So higher-income Medicare beneficiaries are also going to pay a little less next year. In 2023, individuals with modified adjusted gross incomes between $97,000 and $194,000 if they're married or more will pay additional surcharges ranging from $65.90 a month to an extra $395.60 a month on top of that standard $164.90 that we're going to pay. In 22, those charges were an extra $68 to an additional $408.20 a month. Married couples, where both spouses are enrolled in Medicare, pay twice as much. So it means that both of them pay that higher IRMA charge. Medicare Part B premiums and IRMA surcharges are usually deducted directly from monthly Social Security benefits, although people who aren't yet claiming Social Security are billed directly by Medicare. 
The cuts in the Part B premium and IRMA surcharges come as a spike in U.S. inflation is expected to result in larger cost of living adjustments for next year. Maybe somewhere, we're not sure yet, but we're looking at 8.5% or thereabouts. The Social Security Administration is expected to announce the official cost of living adjustment for 2023 on the 13th of October after the government releases its September CPI. The COLA is based on the increase in the average CPI for the third quarter, which is the July, August, September of this year over the previous year's third quarter. So with that, Bill, good to have you with us today. Thanks, Jim. Um, Let's start out, first of all, here. As I indicated earlier, you've been in my office for, you've been in business for going on 20 years. You've been in my office since 2005, so that's about 17 years of that time. That's a fair amount of time. Pardon my phone ringing in the background, but uh, that happens occasionally. At any rate, let's talk about, give us a little information on how many people are covered with Medicare and how big of an impact this really does have. Well, right now we're looking at um, 63 million, 900 and some odd thousand people who are on Medicare, which is a heck of a jump from when I first started. So um, included in that amount is remember that um, people on Medicare can be on Medicare due to aging in, they can be on Medicare due to disability, and they can be on Medicare due to things like ESRD and amyotrophic lateral sclerosis, which is Lou Gehrig's disease. They, they can go on Medicare due to that. So that's, a, that's quite a high number. So um, October 15th, big date. Yeah. Uh, what happens? October 15th is the first day that we can enroll people in the new plans for 2023, whether that be the Advantage plans, Medicare Advantage plans, or the prescription drug plans. We are allowed to talk to you about those plans that are going to be available starting on October 1st through the 14th, but we cannot actually take applications or enrollment forms until the 15th. And then we have from the 15th of October to the 7th of December, to sign you up for a plan that will start on January 1, 2023. So let's talk about this evaluation process that you go through here. So as you indicated, you can actually start talking to people as as soon as tomorrow, October 1st. Well, we're recording this show for Sunday, October 2nd. So as of yesterday, October 1st, you can start talking to people. Sure. And you can talk to them up to the 14th. You just can't make any plan changes up to then. Is that right? That's correct. Uh Uh-huh. And so then on the 15th of October, you can actually sit down with people that need information up through December 7th, and you can evaluate their current plans. You, you have a number of tools, I think, that they can use to compare their current plans. I think some of those people can actually do some of that comparisons themselves, but I'll talk a little bit about my experience here, maybe a little bit later here, but my experience of, with my own coverages and stuff, but times I've gone in there and tried to look at it more for myself, I think it's kind of confusing. It can be. I mean, um, the whole reason for me dealing with the people and talking to them about their particular needs is to educate them on what's available to them and how it works. I don't try and push them into one plan or one type of plan over another. I say, this is how this type of plan works. This is how this type of plan works. Based on the information that I give them, my final question is, what do you think is going to work best for you based on your income, on your lifestyle, do you travel a lot, etc.? There's a few questions that I ask them, and then they make so, the determination. So let's talk about things that might impact them, like, say, travel. What considerations do you have when you talk about travel? Well, if, you, if you're traveling a lot, then you, you have options. I mean, uh, the one thing to realize is that um, Medicare is going to cover you wherever you go as long as you have Medicare in place. And Medicare with a supplement is going to give you far better coverage if you're on the road traveling than you would probably find with an Advantage plan. It's not to say that the Advantage plan couldn't cover you, but they are a network plan. Um, they are HMOs and PPOs, so there are certain restrictions. So more often than not... What's an HMO and a PPO, Bill? Okay, an HMO is a health maintenance organization. That is an organization basically that has a, a closed network. You have to have your doctor has to be in that network, um, and he has to be contracted with it. Not just You don't go up to a, a doctor's office and say, do you take this plan? What you say is, are you contracted with this company for this plan? And then, so that's a HMO, Health Maintenance Organization. P 
PPO is a preferred provider organization. They have a network of providers, but they allow you to go outside that network and use any other doctor who's willing to take Medicare. And then if you're on that plan and you take the PPO and you take the out-of-network portion of it, you're going to pay more for the services than you would if you went to in-network. Okay. And it requires referrals. So, again, i got to get this in my head a little bit because... I do travel a fair amount at times, and, and I I know of people that I have as clients, especially up here. We have a lot of snowbirds, for example, that go to Arizona or Southern California to the desert or whatever in the winter. And if they're under a PPO or uh, HMO, is that the other? HMO, HMO, yeah. that means if they go down there someplace, they have to be able to find a doctor that is in that system. Is that correct in order to get their medical care? Well, it's not just a doctor in this, the system. The doctor has to be contracted with the plan Mm -hmm. that is in the company that they are with. So you can go to a doctor. You can go to, especially some of these groups, they have multiple doctors. Some of those doctors will be contracted with some plans in the company, but they may not be contracted with all the plans. So you always want to find, make sure that your doctors are contracted with the plan. A good example would be I have a gentleman down in Mount Vernon. He had five doctors. He was on a Medicare supplement, very limited income. He was asking me, can you tell me what I could do with an Advantage plan? Um, I'm finding it hard to pay these premiums on my restricted income. So I said, okay, well, let's look at the numbers. And I, So I said, list your doctors out. So he had five doctors. He had his primary care physician. He had a nephrologist. He had an oncologist, a cardiac doctor. And we went through the list, and three of his doctors were on the plan. Two of them were not. So we looked at another company, we looked at that network, went to that network, two of the doctors were on the plan, three of them were not. So I told him, I said, this is the situation you're in. If you go to these doctors, and I specified the ones that were contracted, then you're going to be covered according to this plan. This is going to be office visit charge, this will be out-of-pocket cost, etc. If you go to these doctors, and this is the only plan you have, you're going to pay full price for the services. That's just the way it works. Now, that's a rare case. I don't have a lot of people that go with five doctors, but that's how the plans work. With a supplement plan, what happens is it's any doctor, any place, any time, as long as they take Medicare and the contract with Medicare contract carriers, people don't have to worry about referrals. Um, they can be assured that they're going to be covered where they go, just as they would at home. Okay, so that's a, I hate to say it, but those are the type of programs I see on advertised on TV a lot. Now, they haven't been on yet. But probably starting about the 1st of October, we're going to see a whole lot of ads now for the next three or four months. Uh, because even after the middle of December, there I think there's some changes or some enrollment periods early next year. So we continue to see these Medicare Advantage ads uh, with the different bells and whistles that they offer for a while. So those are the ones we seem to see on TV all the time. We don't seem to see the supplements advertised as much. Well, yeah. What you have to realize, too, is that the way that way that these plans work, if you're looking at a Medicare Advantage plan, you're putting supplements side by side. If you're in good health, okay, and you have not a whole lot of prescription drugs or whatever, and you have limited income or you want to say, then if you're willing to pay more out of pocket for a lower premium, then an Advantage plan is a good way to go. I mean, mm-hmm. sometimes they have more bells and whistles. They've got some additional things like um, health clubs and um, eye care and dental care and so forth. So when you say I'm pay t- out of pocket, it means you go to the doctor. You could have some co-pays for some of your uh, medical expenses. If you go in the hospital, you can have some co-pays. That's correct. Yeah, okay. you, you could. Okay. Um, you know, I want to go backwards on one thing here. A lot of times I refer to and I hear people, we have an alphabet soup. Plan A is Medicare. That covers your hospital, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. That's paid for by your Social Security. Part B is your doctors, and that's where these Med Advantage plans come in, where you either have coverage or a supplement where maybe you have, uh, and I want to mention my own experience here in a minute, but you have your supplements in Part B. Then C is Med Advantage plans. Yes. Generally. Yeah. Part A, hospitalization. Part B, medical Part C is the Medicare Advantage plans, and Part D is the prescription drug portion. Mm-hmm. You can often find that with the Medicare Advantage plans, you're going to have that Part D incorporated into the plan where you have prescription drugs available as well. Mm-hmm. Then what's the most common pl- supplement plan out there? Well, the most common plan right now is the Plan G. Okay. I want to give my experience here real quick. I, I'm covered with Plan G. Right. 
I'm covered with Plan G because I pay a premium right now of $184 a month for it, is what I pay out of my pocket. Uh, as I shared with my listeners before, about four months ago, I had a hip replacement on my right side. I had to stay in the hospital for about a week because of some complications that we had during that surgery. Uh, the bills on that surgery came to $220,000 when I received the summary for all of them. My out-of-pocket cost was zero. So, you know, I'm a Plan G advocate. I, Bill can't tell you that, but I am a Plan G advocate because I know I know what my premium is every month that i got to pay. I know that I've got a deductible of $230, $240 at the start of the year. And after that, I'm pretty well covered. So that's why I guess I like my plan G. And I know you can't sit here and say you recommend one or the other, but when we talk about this alphabet soup, that's my, my sharing on my experience with the alphabet. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I, I try to, I try to meet the needs that people have, you know, they come up and they've got sometimes because they've, a lot of the calls that I get come in and say, Hey, I saw this advertisement on TV or I talked to my sister. She's not paying anything for a plan or whatever. And don't get me wrong, I'm not here to talk down Advantage plans or to talk up supplements. I just want to tell people how they both work and when you put them side by side. So you have to make the determination based on, like I say, on um, your your particular needs, your income, um, what you can afford, um, you know, doctors and so forth. And um, and if you travel, you know, I can I can tell you what's going to work best for you if you travel and so forth. Uh, well, I, I just know my experience with my clients when I do a financial plan for them and I'm sitting there trying to do a retirement capital projection that it's a lot easier for most of them to sit down and say, I know this is what my medical cost is going to be versus knowing that they, if they go to the doctor, they got a co-pay or they got to go to the hospital, they got a, they got a, a deductible that they have to pay. And it's harder for them in many cases to budget that. Whereas if you, in my case, I think the supplement gives gives us the ability to budget and I kind of like that idea so that's my plug in that direction I know Bill can't say that okay if you want to get a hold of Bill uh, his company name is Northwest Options Insurance Uh, he's actually located here at our office upstairs Uh, that address for our office is 5060 Pacific Highway Suite 101 actually he's 202 but uh, that's Ferndale 98248 Uh, his phone number at his office, 360-733-9584. That's 360-733-9584. If you can't remember what I just told you, you can always call my office, 360-733-1200, and we'll give you Bill's information. So we got about 30 seconds here left, Bill. What more should we share? Well, I just uh, we're looking forward to this season. One of the things you're going to notice is when you're agents call you or talk to you they're going to require medicare is going to require that they record the conversation in its entirety that's new for this year um it's not the agents who are doing that but it's medicare who's saying that we have to record your conversations in its entirety from beginning to end if we're talking to any of our current clients prospective clients or people looking for information regarding medicare advantage prescription drug plans etc okay well we got to run but bill tetro Again, his phone number, 360-733-9584. You know, Bill's been in my office all these years because I trust him. He's honest, and I think he does a great job for his clients. So that's the best recommendation I can give. Thanks for being with us today. Don't forget about our live show on Saturdays at 11 o'clock. Have a great week. Bye-bye. voiced in Wealth Wake Up with Dick Donahue are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine what may be appropriate for you, consult with your attorney, accountant, financial, or tax advisor prior to investing. Guests on Wealth Wake Up with Dick Donahue are not affiliated with CWM LLC. Investment advisory services offered through CWM LLC, a registered investment advisor.